There is no certainty. There is only adventure. Robert Asagoli. Violin Vice contains graphic and or explicit content, which may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. to Violin Vice. My name is Audie Griffith. And I'm John John Griffith. Hello and welcome back. Long time no see. It's been about a year. It has been quite quite a while. Yeah. So John John, do you want to tell a little bit about yourself and what you've been up to this last year while we've been oh. on break? Oh, it's been a lot of stuff. I changed jobs. I've been looking for another job while well, I've already changed that one. I've started back up with college classes for psychology, so that's always interesting. And I've essentially, at this point, quit smoking. So that's a whole new thing. That's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. Improvements. Yeah. Who knew? Oh, How I about think- you? Nothing exciting happening with you whatsoever, right? Um, so as you guys know from the last episode we did, I was getting ready to move to Reno, and obviously that happened. And then beyond that, I had a wedding plan for a wedding, you know, states like 2,000 miles away from where we're actually getting married. So I've been a lot doing a lot of wedding planning, a lot of traveling back and forth, and... Yeah, life's just kind of been busy, but now that the wedding's kind of approaching six months in, most of it's already planned. I feel like I had time and I was settled down enough to, you know, start up the podcast again. We made friends and we're enjoying life out here, which is which is good. Yeah, kind of happy to get back to this because, I mean, with the distance and everything, it does get kind of hard to catch up with each other, too. So this this helps us and hopefully whoever's listening get more of a vibe on how we're doing. Yeah, I miss our weekly chats back when this was up and going around COVID or high to COVID. I mean, COVID's still around, but you know what I mean. Well, you know, I don't know if it's going away. I was very hopeful at the beginning, but now I'm just like, I guess this is a thing now. Yeah. Did you see the thing about monkeypox, though? Like, now that's prevalent, and there's vaccines for that. It's always something with this stuff. Like, as soon as, I don't know, whatever, monkeypox stuff i don't know i just don't know yeah it seems like it's not super dangerous but it's just like a new disease is basically the vibe i've gotten so far from it but it's still just like meh from what i'm I'm tired of diseases yeah no from what i looked into it it's like an offshoot of smallpox but different different strands like different vaccine and everything but Mm -hmm. i mean same symptoms as covid except you get a rash now so that's something oh boy a rash on top of covid that's not great yeah but just yeah i did a little research into it because i was like monkeypox what's this after i saw it like five times on tiktok because you know I, i love the tiktok so oh yeah who doesn't at this point yeah so, needless to say, why don't we get into our topic? And 
I, I wonder, can you guess what the topic is? It's a little on theme to where I moved. Yeah, I have, I don't know. You might have mentioned it, but mm, what are we doing? What, what's going on, Audie? What's, what's, what is happening? So we are going to talk about the mysterious Lake Tahoe, which is about 25 minutes from where I currently live, just over Mount Rose. That's in Nevada. Yeah, uh, Nevada, California border. It's right on the border. Oh, so it, both states claim to it. Yeah, it's actually kind of really funny because in South Lake Tahoe, there's a street called the state border. And on one side, which is the Nevada side, is all the casinos. And then on the other side, there's not because California doesn't allow casinos. So, oh. Or at the time of the town building. So that was kind of a fun hmm. little tidbit about Lake Tahoe. Yeah. I don't know. I like those border towns because you do see a drastic difference between each side. Yeah, yeah, you do. It it is kind of really funny. And it's very like a hard line too, which is kind of mm-hmm. funny. Um, Matt and I do frequent South Lake Tahoe during the summer because it's just very pretty there. Um, yeah, yeah. But getting into some more fun facts, it's the second deepest lake in the United States at one thousand six hundred and forty-five feet deep. Like deeper than the Great Lakes. Uh, so I, I believe one of the Great Lakes is deeper. It's the second most. Okay, but that's still a lot of Great Lakes that aren't as deep. Yeah. And the funny thing is, too, is that it's at, like, about 6,000 feet elevation. And so my apartment currently is at, like, 5,000 feet. So I'm practically at the bottom of Lake Tahoe on the other side, which is kind of funny. That's got to be such a weird concept of just being such a high elevation where the bottom of one of the deepest lakes is still higher up than just where people are on the land. Like, I don't know. Sea level is interesting. Well, the mountains are really interesting. I got to say, it's not like Wisconsin um, where, you know, ski hills there was about a 30 second run and here it's like a five mm-hmm. to 15 minute run going down the mountain so we, we have bluffs that that's good enough we don't <laughs> we don't need no giant mountains that could do avalanches and stuff like that we just get get the essentials and we're good right <laughs> yeah i do have to say learning to downhill scan mount rose was very very interesting this past winter oh um, my gosh So besides being the second deepest, it's among the world's 20 oldest lakes at approximately 2 million years old. So it's it's one of the oldest lakes. I believe kind of up there is like the Black Sea and a few others that are very landlocked lakes. But yeah, this is Mm. one of the oldest, which is kind of cool. Yeah. But... Anyways, back to the fun facts. Um, So although Lake Tahoe's waters are renowned for its clarity, since it's so deep, it gets dark at about 60 feet under. So like, you know, how you start to lose color and light when you're scuba diving? Same Mm -hmm. thing happens at Lake Tahoe. Mm. But like, typically the water is clear, but it like, even though it's clear, it loses light because of just how deep it is. Yes. Oh, Okay. All right, and then I do apologize in advance because I will probably butcher these names, but Lake Tahoe is situated on the traditional homelands of the Wasau and Piute tribes. 
uh, their traditional stories have overlapped because of... So they're two different tribes, but they've overlapped because they still occupy the same regions as each other. So like shared borders or like a constant switch of territory type thing? I, I believe yes to both shared borders and territorial switches. Okay. But yeah, the Pute and uh, Washoe tribe is the um, common saying for the tribes. So something that we'll get into a little later in this podcast is between Lake Tahoe and Pyramid Lake, which is about 50 miles away from Lake Tahoe, both tribes have legends of water babies, which are very similar to Kelpies that we've talked about in a past episode. But they're water babies. Yep. Um, Oh, I got to learn about these things. Yeah. So just kind of a brief snippet and then we'll get into it more um they're basically all powerful creatures inhabiting the lake so again we'll deep dive into those a little bit more later on in the podcast okay but just remember water babies those are important so another fun fact or maybe a little grim fact is lake tahoe has long been speculated to be an underwater graveyard for the mob the South Shore served as a dumping ground for organized crime victims in the 20s and 50s, but there's no really proof of the graveyard. Um, but another theory is in the mid-1800s when Chinese laborers were working on the Transcontinental Railroad, a white supremacy group called the Caucasian League formed in the 1870s, and through various violent acts and everything, it was believed that it was also used as a graveyard then. So maybe not so much a graveyard as like a dumping site for criminal activity? Yeah, and the thing about Lake Tahoe is it's actually similar to Lake Superior and the fact that it stays so cold throughout the year that dead bodies don't float. So that's kind of why it's been speculated. Because it's in the mountains. Okay. Well, like, it, I mean, the mountains do help, but just the temperature of the lake never really warms up. Um Above, like, 60 degrees. It's a deep lake, and it's a bigger lake. So speaking about stuff that doesn't float, one of the first things I heard when I moved here was about Mingo the elephant and um, and his relation to Lake Tahoe. And so this has never been confirmed. This is just a myth. But um, Mingo was a real elephant, and he belonged to the millionaire George Whittle. Again, he was... George Whittle was from one of the wealthiest families in San Francisco at the time, and he inherited, like, a huge fortune. Um, Basically, he was a billionaire of today. When he moved out here, he purchased 40,000 acres, nearly all of Lake Tahoe's eastern shoreline, and he built the Thunderbird Lodge, which, from the pictures, looks really, really beautiful, and I don't think we've seen it driving around Lake Tahoe because, I mean, it's pretty a heavily wooded area. Um, but from the pictures, it's a really pretty house and, um, he spent his summers there indulging, uh, great Gatsby style. Like he held a lot of parties. They were all like out very extravagant. Like a Gatsby-esque type person. Exactly. Okay. Like I said, he bought 40,000 acres and he built a decadent card house, a caretaker's cottage, a butler's house and a boat house for different areas and then his main house was called the thunderbird 
But I do have to go back to all the houses. The fun thing about them is they're all connected by an underground tunnel, uh, kind of similar to UMD Duluth, how all those mm-hmm. buildings are collect are connected by a tunnel. The- like it's fully to avoid like environmental problems because of the cold and stuff like that. Do you think that's the same reason they did it here? Um, I do know it snows quite a lot, especially in the mountain area. I we didn't actually visit Lake Tahoe while there was snow on the ground, so I can't tell you how much snow the town actually gets on a regular basis, but I do know the mountain did get pretty high uh, mm. this past winter. Okay. I mean, it definitely wouldn't hurt in getting from one building to the next, especially during a snowstorm. Yeah, yeah. And besides all the buildings that were connected by an underground tunnel, he built a large barn for his elephant, Mingo. And besides Mingo, would have loved all animals, and he collected various exotic breeds that lived at his lodge, with Mingo being his favorite, and his second favorite being an African lion named Bill. He used to accompany him everywhere, including rides around the lake in his convertible. So he would bring a lion in a convertible while he drove around the lake. A lion in a convertible around a lake and in a best friend elephant up in the mountains. Yep. That is insane. Yeah. So now this is all kind of insane, but you're thinking, well, why does Audie like remember Mingo so, so, so much? Well, because again, this was myth. It was never really confirmed. Whittle's shortened time spent in Lake Tahoe. He decided to have his animals return to his house in Woodside in order to do that. Mingo needed to be transported across the lake via barge. And unfortunately, according to myth, the barge sunk, containing Mingo, who drowned and sank to the bottom of Lake Tahoe in his cage that he was in on the barge. That's tragic. Yeah, so it was very, very sad. And because the water in Tahoe is so cold, the Mingo body was perfectly preserved, and there's a full elephant skeleton somewhere at the bottom of Lake Tahoe. But again, this has not actually been confirmed. So do you think they're going to need to like full on get a like a submarine type thing to actually go check that out? Because I don't think other diver type things could be possible with that deep of a lake. So funny thing that you say that because there are a few other things that we'll get into with like Jacques Cousteau and um, divers and why that can create issues searching Lake Tahoe. But... Ho, 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 ho. Intuitive niceness. I like it. Yeah, but again, we'll, we'll come back to your question here in a little bit. So another kind of myth that hasn't been really confirmed but is something I found very interesting when I uh, first moved here is that between Lake Tahoe and Pyramid Lake, which I mentioned uh, earlier with the water babies, there's apparently subterranean tunnels. So those are like tunnels that are either volcanic or just having water that go from one lake to another. And again, the lake distance is about 50 miles. So... Like a cavern system that's also in the lake... Yes, kind of. Um, Oh, that complicates things for sure. Yeah, it's similar actually to Lake Ness because apparently Lake Ness also has a cavern system from what I remember doing research. uh, Or Loch Ness, sorry, I say Lake Ness. Um, 
But apparently that also has a cavern system. Oh, I feel like there's going to be more than just water babies in this thing. <laughs> you know me too well. You know me too well. But yes, we will get to that here in a minute. But kind of going back to the subterranean tunnels, in 2011, a body of a scuba diver that drowned 17 years prior resurfaced in Lake Tahoe and was found on an underwater shelf. At the time, four more scuba divers remained missing in the area, which is infamous for divers going missing. So again, searching for Mingo and other cavernous tunnels are, is very dangerous in Lake Tahoe. Sim- I wonder what did those divers in, though. You know, whether it's equipment malfunction or um, yeah. whatnot. Like hypothermia, maybe, if it's super cold and like they just did wetsuits or... Of course, the dreaded, the bends. Yep. I'm not quite sure what caused this diver's death, but his body was amazingly preserved in physical form that allowed him to be autopsied 17 years later um, when he was found. So he was missing for 17 years, and his body was still good enough to be autopsied, which was pretty cool. Yeah, that's like insane. Yeah, it was like, I'm not going to say it's like mummified, but again, it, it was preserved so well that... That, that's pretty cool, in my opinion. Like, almost closer to, like, what those sci-fi cryopods are supposed to be doing. Yeah, or, like, frozen or whatnot. But, yeah, it, it's it, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh. I wonder what other things are down there. Mm-hmm. But, anywho, Sergeant Byers dismissed outright that the body had remained undiscovered for so long because it was caught in the underwater tubes that locals insist exist as the result of volcanic activity. Oh, but that's such a crazy idea. Yeah, I know, right? Like, because they're, what, 50 miles apart? Something something like that. I can give you that. Oh, if they're connected in the same caverns, then there's, like, whole interworking, interwoven like termites nest of tunnels that connects them that's crazy yeah there is volcanic and earthquake activity in our area just not like very big ones and it the volcanic activity i mean is like internal so like plate tectonic wise Mm -hmm. still volcanic activity in the mountains seems pretty sketch yeah but, um, again, there's no actual proof of these tubes or tunnels, but the rivers are hydronically connected by the Truckee River, which does go through Reno, which is kind of fun. Hmm. So that's, like, overland. Yeah, that's like overland. Land. Yep. Okay. So this kind of leads to a common saying about the lake, which is Lake Tahoe does not give it up its dead. Well, that's dark. Yeah. So, now, you know, you kind of called me out a couple paragraphs earlier about Loch Ness and what that might lead into. Mm-hmm. So, instead of Nessie, our local cryptid is named Tessie. Tessie, the Lake Tahoe monster. Uh-huh, Tessie. But everybody wants to find a giant aquatic dinosaur in their lakes. Yep, so, I mean, you said dinosaur, so just kind of describing what Tessie looks like. Um, between the sightings, T- 
Tessie has been described between the size of a bean to the size of a bust, having a large serpentine body as wide across as a barrel, and the coloration ranging from jet black to turquoise. Its skin is usually described as smooth, despite having reptilian features, and it's dubbed Tessie, an imitation of Loch Ness's Nessie. Mm-hmm. So they're basically describing a rough estimate of what they would imagine a plesiosaur to be, which is just one of them long-necked dinosaurs, but with fins instead of legs. Oh, yeah, a plesiosaur or a pliosaur or an encathosaur or a mosasaur. Mm-hmm. Those are the four types that it could potentially be. Yeah. So sightings have span from 1950s and today, according to J.A. Hernandez. But the first documentation that we could find was the Snow Country magazine in 1989, and it states that the U.S. Navy verified and had a film of Tessie, but it wouldn't be released because it could have destroyed the Valley's booming economy. The next documented recalling was in Nevada magazine in 1986, and like I said before, most sightings span from 1950 and continue today, and they're very difficult to verify without pictures or film. Uh, so what was kind of the first sighting that we have? In the 50s, two off-duty cops saw a black hump come out of the water that was able to keep pace with a boat going approximately 60 miles per hour. So that's really fast for a fish. Oh, Yeah. Like, I don't know too many that could keep up with that. Like, maybe an orca and, like, a swordfish, sailfish, marlin type stuff, I think, might maybe could. But, like, an orca would have to really get going. Yeah. Funny that you say orca. Again, we'll get to it. You're calling out everything today, John John. I know a lot about animals. <laughs> The next sighting was in 1979. Uh, An anonymous individual reported that he or she saw a large serpent-like creature hunting trout off of a dock at Homewood. It was the width of a telephone pole and approximately 30 to 60 feet in length, and it dove up and down as opposed to moving side to side like a snake. Mm, Okay. Up and down. I might call a log on that one. I don't think there's many things that go up and down besides, well, mammalian aquatic creatures. And I don't know. I don't know. Logs can go up and down just by the wave motions and stuff like that. So we'll see. Uh, Yep, we'll see. And I'll get into the possibilities too, but yeah. There, there is quite a bit for debunking all of these settings. And in 2004, an off-duty bartender took a photograph of a black hump in the water, which he believed to be the top of the creature's head. So that kind of brings us to rumors and tourism. So these are promoted throughout the town surrounding Lake Tahoe. And that kind of, again, this is not confirmed, got... The attention of Jacques Cousteau, famed oceanographer and explorer. And supposedly, he explored the bottom of Lake Tahoe with a submarine and film. After his dive, he stated, The world isn't ready for what's down there. 
The photographs were never released, but it was rumored that e- either he encountered the Mafia graveyard or Tessie. However, later in the coverage by LA Times, this was dispelled as a rumor that some people still insisted is true. Instead, it seems that Cousteau's grandson visited the region in 2002, but only for a speaking engagement, and that it was never explored. So, they, the statement that Jacques Cousteau said, the world isn't ready for what's down there, that was true, but what, like nothing was confirmed as to why? So, it's speculated that he went down and explored, and... The statement, the world isn't ready for what's down there, that was just so ingrained in the story that, again, it could all be speculation that he even came here. Yeah. But I've heard, like, just around that people believe that he came here and explored and just wasn't ready for what's down there. Mm-hmm. And I want to say, granted, this was a long time ago, but Discovery Channel had something on the Loch Ness Monster and... Lake Tahoe being it related, and I thought that he spoke on that. Uh, but again, it was a while ago. I think I was like eight. So yeah, it like Cousteau was on a lot of different shows around that time too. But this rang a bell to me from because you know how yeah. we used to watch documentaries all the time. We did, and like I think there was like. There was a lot of, like, the ocean exploring stuff with Cousteau, but they were also starting to do stuff with, like, Loch Ness and the cryptid stuff started showing up in there. So, like, Bigfoot stuff started showing up. A couple other stuff with, like, Chupacabra and, like, some maybe extinct species that were possibly seen in Australia. Like, those kind of documentaries were showing up. So, I think you're right in thinking that uh, it's something about Lake Tahoe was going on the same time that there were shows with Jacques Cousteau in it, but I don't know if they were the same show. Yep. And it could just me be me false remembering it, but I could have sworn like that rang a bell. Um or that saying with that documentary. But again, I could be mm-hmm. misremembering it, whatever that term is for a group of people misremembering something. Mandela effect. Whatever. Oh, Mandela effect, thank you. That one. Okay. Got it. Yep. Yep. Um, cause again, like people around here still believe that that happened as mentioned above the darker and historically viable answer for what other bodies could Cousteau have seen if he visited this occurred would be that of the mafia graveyard or again, the Chinese worker graveyard. That, that would be just disturbing in general, even for Cousteau who probably has seen a lot of interesting and weird stuff underwater. Don't think he would be ready to see a bunch of dead bodies. Yup. Yup. So kind of getting into what makes the Tessie's story tick and kind of where it all comes from. So like I mentioned earlier, um, Tessie and the Legends of Creatures of Lake Tahoe kind of are linked back to the Piute and Washoe tribes. And it's confirmed and traced by anthropological research that was performed by Warren D. Azevedo. And again, I saw, I'm sorry for the mispronunciation. I don't think you were far off on that one. I th- like Acevedo or something like that? D'Acevedo. Uh, it's D apostrophe A-Z-E-V-E-D-O. Okay. 
So yeah, it sounds about right to me. Again, best guess, but apologies for mispronunciations. We're just two country bumpkins. <laughs> but um, not anymore. You're a city bumpkin now. I am. I am. I'll keep it country. All right. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so Professor Diaz of Diado. Uh, that was worse, um, began his anthropological fieldwork in the Washoe tribe back in November of 1952. But in 2008, he released a 70-page book titled The Two Worlds of Lake Tahoe, a report on cave rock, which focuses on the 250-foot volcanic formation on the shore of Lake Tahoe. So the cave rock is a site that the Washoe holds sacred, and there's a lot of myth or mythology surrounding this location. It's like, that's above ground cave system? Uh, no, this is just a volcanic rock formation. Oh, okay. So this was denoted as like an important place for sh- shamans and water babies. Um, and I read something online, though I'm not quite sure how well it is, and I couldn't find a lot of information about a bird man regarding this, swa- uh, this rock. So that was something that I might be able to dive into at a later time, but I just couldn't find enough information on it. It could be where Whittle got the name Thunderbird for his thing. That could be. (laughs) But again, uh, water babies. Remember how I told you to remember water babies earlier on? Oh, I remember the water babies. Okay, so apparently we live in a country under the water either in these tunnels or on the water shelf, and they occasionally emerge to camp at the cave rock. When angered or displeased, these typical water babies could cause some form of natural disaster. And although the descriptions of water babies range in physical description from something akin to a mermaid or something that leaves footprints and makes baby sounds, so it kind of has like a wide variety of like baby mermaids to babies to dead babies to, I mean, actual people mermaids. So to even yeah. Kelpie-like uh, creatures. One story is a white man from San Francisco unknowingly caught a water baby and put it in an aquarium. And this caused a flood and an earthquake that killed a lot of people. Eventually, a Native American doctor, oh boy, Willowushkushkush. Uh, I am so sorry for that pronunciation, uh, had heard about the devastation caused by the water baby from the person that caught it. And he heard that the white person put the water baby in an an aquarium. So he took a trip to free the water baby. And after he did, the flood stopped and the earthquake ended. That is from an article called The Two Worlds. Um, A significant element in these narratives are that floods and natural disasters are associated with the displeasing of the water babies and disturbing the cave rock. Hmm. So sort of like nature spirits that are meant to be left alone. Correct. Gotcha. Yeah. Basically, anytime you mess up the cave rock or you piss off a water baby, prepare for an earthquake or a flood. One example is the Great California Flood of 1862 was the same year that the Trestle Road had been built around the outer surface of Cave Rock. So that's like the road that goes around uh, Lake Tahoe. Been on that road. Then in 1955 and 1986, there were floods that corresponded with the tunnel blasting to get the road through the Cave Rock. 
and the deaths of a couple rock climbers in that area. Okay. It is through examining the narratives regarding water babies that you find a large amount of monsters living in the Lake Tahoe. There's quite a few other creatures that their legends mentioned, but water babies were kind of the most prevalent. So... Hmm. So, like, not just Tessie and water babies. There are a couple other ones that are just kind of intermingled in there. Correct. Like I said, there is, like, the Birdman, and there's a few others, but, again, I just didn't find enough research to thoroughly talk about them. Okay. But there are others to explore if you're interested in more of those things. Yes. Yes, there is. Um, and the funny thing about water babies is they're actually common in a lot of bo- a lot of bodies of water. And the ones that kind of surround these, again, the, these are mostly myths, so I do apologize if they're not true. But apparently the ones in Lake Tahoe and Pyramid Lake were caused by the Piute tribe throwing kind of unwanted babies in the water to drown to make their tribe stronger. So sort of like the the myth about how Spartans, if they're, they had an unfit baby, they would cast it upon the rocks. Then supposedly in this culture scenario, they would cast them into the lake instead. Basically. And I, again, mm. this happened with many different peoples across many different nations. This is yeah, just... It's not exclusive to any one culture. That's that's like intercontinental practices of ancient or some some uh, smaller civilizations and maybe even some big ones. Yes, kind of doing some research. Apparently, Lake Superior also has water babies, which are is kind of interesting. Hmm. Not super surprising. Yeah. So that kind of spins into kind of the myths and legends of mothers hearing babies cry or women hearing baby cry and then they go to the water only to see a baby in the water they go in the water and then they get drowned by those creatures Mm. okay so that's kind of some of the legends regarding water babies yeah um and very similar to kelpies like oh yeah you know going in the water getting trapped and then being drowned Mm-hmm. I mean, there's Kelpies, there's Selkies, and I want to say there was another one, the the Otter Folk up in... The Kushtaka. Hawaii. Yeah. Those, they all kind of like were, don't go near the water, or they'll get trick somebody to come near the water and get pulled underneath in some way, shape, or form. Yep. So it's pretty common. I wonder if that has some sort of deep interconnection for just people in general. Yeah, the fun thing is, like, especially going through a lot of the um, indigenous lore, is that there are a lot of stories that intermingle between the tribes and different areas. So, like the Kushtaka, like the water babies, I mean, having them in Lake Superior and Lake Tahoe over thousands of miles apart is something that's very, very interesting. Yeah. I mean, word travels. I don't know how fast before there was, like, 
no kind of communication aside from word of mouth, but it does travel. So, I mean, it it could happen that they all, like, originate from one story and, like, somebody thought that was a good idea to tell it to somebody else. They travel, they tell that story, they travel, they tell the story, and it's just... I don't know, it's just... It's culture. It's just spread. It's cool. Yeah, and so that kind of, like, comes to my last point. Um, That is also Professor D. Azevedo's point. Um, so with a lake this big, he concludes basically that mermaids and giant serpent-like creatures kind of are a fusion between different cultures. Um, so like the traditional Washoe and Pute beliefs that are kind of similar to the Euro-Americans beliefs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I think it's kind of like, okay, remember way back when I did the scary stories about La Llorana? Yep. Where it's just stay away from water. You, it, it's a common theme, right? I think it's just saying, like, be careful around water because you could drown and you could fall in. You don't know what's going on out there. Or you could get pulled in and stuck or killed by a monster. Yeah. <laughs> common theme, different cryptid. Yeah, it's just, it's a boogeyman to, like, convey a lesson without having to explain exactly why yeah so that kind of brings us back around to uh tessie the tahoe lake monster and what it could possibly be so the most plausible explanation especially for the up and down movement and just the size is a sturgeon because it's a prehistoric fish that grows about 7 to 12 feet in length and can appear very serpent-like that has scales on its back. I mean, it's a giant fish. They are known to frequent Lake Tahoe. Um, mm. But yeah, they're huge. Yeah, they, they can be pretty massive. And they do breach from time to time, even though they're bottom feeder type fish. Yeah, so kind of going on, like, how massive they could be, the largest one was recorded at 23 feet long and weighed a whopping 3,463 pounds. Wow. That's... That is, that would be a monster. Yeah. And, well, I mean, they do, they're, like, part of the same family as, like, musky and, like, pikes and stuff like that. So they're pretty, like hydrodynamic aerodynamic but for water but they could get moving pretty quick too yeah so i'm gonna come back to that point but just letting you know the average lifespan is about 50 to 60 years old but the oldest one was 152 years old so Mm -hmm. over triple that average lifespan yeah i think Especially with the size of Lake Tahoe, too. I think that would definitely add to the potential of it going beyond average size. Yeah. So, kind of on why it's in there. So, the Mackinac trout was intentionally introduced in the 1800s, and it's very possible that the sturgeon was as well. And in that time, it could have easily grown to be that massive with the first sightings in the 1950s. But kind of, I wanted to backtrack to the other point. Do you remember the show River Monsters? You mean the one where a guy would, like, use deep-sea fishing rods to catch giant fish from rivers? 
Yeah, and they would be like twice the size of him. Oh yeah. Yeah. Or like he, he wouldn't be able to pull it out of the water. He had to pull it onto the beach slowly and like they would take an hour at a time and stuff like that. Yeah, like crazy big how big a lot of a lot of the fish mm-hmm. on that show were sturgeon would be. Yeah. Um yeah, so that just kind of reminded me of like things you don't know are in your water. That's true. But kind of just going back to what we said earlier between Nessie and Tessie, it could be a dinosaur, and like we said earlier, it could be the Pleosaur or Pliosaur or Ichthyosaur or Morosaur. But, I mean, unfortunately, dinosaurs did go extinct about 65 million years ago, so... And considering Lake Tahoe was formed between 2 and 3.5 million years ago, that doesn't quite add up. No, it would have had to snuck in there or like re-evolved for that to happen yeah mm-hmm. there's about 63 million years between dinosaurs not existing and like tahoe being formed so yeah yeah Be a little uh, difficult yeah so another explanation is a new species of freshwater eel there's really no physical evidence but it's plausible that you know a new species species evolves over time Mm -hmm. and the largest freshwater eel um currently that was on record was three foot nine and weighed about 53 pounds also the last tidbit which gained a lot of steam with loch ness a little bit ago with a tweet storm happening after a professor michael sweet kind of compared a whale's penis to the loch ness monster he debunked it in the (laughs) same fact (laughs) So I did want to bring this up that mm-hmm. he compared specifically a, a blue orca's genitalia mm-hmm. um, and just saying that, you know, explorers would mark down what they saw and the shape was kind of similar, but there are no orcas in Loch Ness or Lake Tahoe. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that is thoroughly debunked. His exact quote said, I used an image of Nessie just as an example of what people use to describe sea monsters looking like. Mm-hmm. And there are no whales whatsoever in Loch Ness, so Nessie would be was a poor ch- choice to use in this instant for that tweet. Yeah. So, enough about whale genitalia. I wanted to leave on a couple interesting takes, I guess, for... Uh, Lake Tahoe. Mm-hmm. Um, so one is the Donner Party. Should we explain who the Donner Party is in case some people don't remember middle school history? Yeah, so I I, I will definitely get into it. So the Don- Donner Party was very, very interesting. Um, they were a group of American pioneers that got stuck in a winter storm in the Sierra Nevada mountains. So if you remember... Uh, you know, the good old Oregon Trail. and Yeah, yeah. I, that whole section of where everybody either played it, learned it, or had a fun pioneer week. This was this is where you'd learn about the Downer Party. Yep, so they tried to, you know, take a shortcut, but got caught in a winter storm, and their food supply was really low when they set out, and um, a couple individuals left to get help out on foot when relief arrived only 48 out of the original 87 survived this was also 
So I don't have this in my notes, but this was also where I learned about uh, blizzard blindness, where like people can go blind from being stuck in a whiteout blizzard. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause just, a... just because it's disorientating, everything looks like it's white, and then your eyes are also getting cold. It doesn't help with that, and you essentially get blinded by whiteness. And your rods like over fire, fire, mm-hmm. and eventually burn out. So like you can't mm-hmm. see. Regardless. Yes, the Donner Party. Back to the Donner How Party. These people survive this long amount of time with so little food. So, oh, no. like I said, only forty-eight of the original eighty-seven survived. Uh, Truckee Lake was where they were stuck, which is only eleven miles from Lake Tahoe, and the party had several encounters with the local tribes. So. The tribe observed the wagon party, and they documented it as a monster snake. Um, But the Washoe tribe did check in on them periodically and provided food whenever possible. Ultimately, the Donner party resorted to cannibalism, which the Washoe people did not do despite also facing starvation. So just to kind of put it in perspective, the Washoe people lived there. It was, you know, a winter storm. They were running out of food, too. But the the Donner Party, which, you know, were um, the foreigners coming in, resorted to cannibalism while the Washoe tribe did not. And since the Donner Party did resort to cannibalism, this mm-hmm. gained a distrust with the Washoe tribe. As in, like, the Washoe tribe started to distrust foreigners? Yeah, just because they okay. were eating their own. Well, yeah, you know. Yeah, that, that's fair. Yeah, so this could also stem from the legend of, you know, uh, Tessie and water babies, um, being that they described the wagon as a monster snake and the snake was eating people, quote-unquote. So... This could be blended and misinterpreted over time. So, like, stories about Tessie and the water babies and the Cape Rock, uh, which is by mm-hmm. this area, to become tales and myths. Yeah, because as the wagon caravan was moving, it would just look like a beast with many different ridges and backs. It would wind up things in, like, a single-file line, like a giant snake. and Yeah, it's just the retelling of the story will change it over time so it's a good chance that this could have been where it started yep and J.A. Hernandez kind of goes into this about his blog that's where I got or where Corinne uh, who does now our research got most of the information from thank um, you by the way yeah thank you Corinne um, and all of our sources will be updated on our blog when this comes out so also just kind of going into the Donner party wasn't there also someone who was rescued that just preferred cannibalism than from now on like I vaguely remember that I don't know if that is what happened but I'm sure like tabloids would have kind of highlighted that yeah yeah no this guy was just a creep <laughs> from from what I remember of the Donner party that that's what I was trying to say like no I don't really agree but like yes like obviously if you have to resort to cannibalism that can like have long lasting mental effects on, on your person but if this guy like mm-hmm. chose cannibalism and then was just a creep just a pioneer Jeffrey Dahmer yeah yeah that that was a suggestion yeah that the tabloids made but again tabloids at that time do go on all over the place and there's Huge exaggerations tangents. like oh, yeah like mingo the elephant 
Yeah. We don't know if that's real. Maybe it was. Who knows? Yeah. It'd be cool if it was. But, yeah. So, if you guys like Mingo the Elephant and our Lake Tahoe story, please hit that subscribe button. Give us a like and follow us on everything that you listen to podcasts to. That's Stitcher, Apple Podcast, and everything. And if you could rate us five stars, that really helps us out on the business end. Um, we really, really, really appreciate it. And... Like we said before, we are back, so we will see you guys next week with a new episode. John Judd, are you Hooray. excited to be back? I am excited. I, I always like remember little tidbits from doing these podcasts, and I I don't know. I miss gathering my strange, eclectic, weird knowledge that this podcast does. I hope our listeners get something else out of it that's like that, too. Yeah, and there's quite a few other things with Lake Tahoe that I'd like to cover, like uh, the Duggard case. Um, she was the girl that was abducted from uh, South Lake Tahoe who was found 18 years later in California. She had, she was the one that was kidnapped by the couple and had two kids and then re- oh. uh, was found. She has a book and everything, which is really, really cool, but I wanted to cover That'd her at cool a later one. date. Um, um, do we have an idea of what's coming next week? Uh, We do not. So, again, I wanted to give a big shout-out to Corinne uh, Drivelvis because she is doing our research now. So I get to learn about these things almost about the same time that you guys do, and it's really fun covering it and having a surprise topic. Like, And, again, I appreciate her for all her hard work. This episode turned out Mm -hmm. great. Like a lot of good stuff from this. I loved it. It was wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. So, again, we'll see you guys next week, and we'll keep the spooky stories coming. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Violin Vice Podcast. Cover art is by Colton Griffith. Music by Ann Valerie Beck. And research done by Corinne Drybelvis. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Violin Vice Podcast or on Twitter at Violin Vice. That's V-I-L-E-A-N-D-V-I-C-E. No ampersands here. If you want to help support the show, please do so on Patreon at patreon.com backslash Vice, or give us a once-off donation on PayPal with our email, violinvice at gmail.com. Again, that's V-I-L-E-A-N-D-V-I-C-E to keep the spooky stories coming. Thank you.